Hi, welcome to Welcome to BPM Black Uplitz Podcast Media with me, Al Stallion. I've got a very special guest today with me. Of course, all my guests are special. Hi, <laughs> Miss, Miss Saunders. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How, how you doing? How, nice to have you join us here on yeah, the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm doing really well. Lockdown is easing. The end is in sight, so I'm in a good mood. Um, wait, 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 wait. Slow down a second. Slow down. Don't get everyone happy because you know. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe I spoke too soon. Maybe I yeah. didn't. Mr. Johnson's <laughs> talking. You know, Mr. Johnson. He says, "Yeah, everyone's coming out. Everyone can go and drink and hug each other now. Two people." Oh, but, no. but then he threw in quickly. The Indian variation is yeah, 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 backtrack. Oh, what can I say? All politicians are fickle, but I'm just holding on to that hope that it's all going to be over soon. So. <laughs> It's kind of, I, 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 I believe firmly that this year you'll, you'll, it'll slow down a little bit over summer like the flu does mm. and then by winter it'll be back and then next year you'll see the end of it I think this year we're still in we're still amongst the the cat amongst the pigeons I'm afraid mm. that's mm. what I think well, you never know. as long as I can go and have a drink in a pub I'm alright <laughs> <laughs> that, that's your biggest worry that's it <laughs> I'm trying to leave the planet and you're always like I'm the fuck. <laughs> That's amazing. So Harriet, tell us a little bit about yourself, obviously, because um, I guess people are looking thinking, who's this nice, attractive lady talking to this good looking, you know, African-American guy? So hi everyone, I'm Harriet Saunders. I work at the FSC Group and I work as a fund executive and I work providing support um, to the investment managers um, mainly um, uh, helping them deliver the loans to businesses within the East and West Midlands. And we work as part of the Midlands Energy Investment Fund, delivering £42 million of loans to SMEs, businesses within the West and East Midlands. That's one hat that I wear. Um, I'm also generally involved in supporting entrepreneurship and trying to particularly help um, Black entrepreneurs um, get, get a kind of equal and fair crack at the whip, I think is probably the right way to say it. So inclusion and diversity, I suppose, is the more pushy word to say things. So I'm really passionate about that. I sit on the board of the Black Pounds Project uh, and I uh, quite frequently try and get involved just, you know, events in the community just to try and help boost the, the access and the inclusion. So those are my kind of things that I do. That's a little bit about me. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just, I lost you at the first sentence, man, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I lost you. No, but okay. Look, I heard the bit though. Of course, luckily that you help black investors, uh, like exactly. black people, like obviously. Exactly. Like, exactly. And me, conveniently, happens to be a black guy. You know, beautiful <laughs> and in need of money at the same time. So <laughs> that's it. That's it. So yeah, you know, and and to people listening as well, you know, um, if you if you do have questions around funding specifically, or you're just not sure where to start or how to get going. I, I'm always more than happy to have that conversation and, you know, signpost you onto it, a, a couple of places, a couple of ideas that, that may be of, of more help. So hit me up. So that's, that's, that, that's where we're going to start. Well, actually, no, I want to find out. I want to know why you got into the financial sector, actually, and then we're going to start wow. to figure out. Well, this, this, this is 
brilliant question. So I thought kind of when I was 18, 17, I thought, oh, this is, this is going to earn me a lot of money. This is, this is a brilliant <laughs> thing to get into. And it, there was there was no other reason apart from, from that, really. So I, I didn't really have an appreciation of some of the, the challenges that, that I would face or or really a clear pathway to as to what I wanted. Um, so I would, you know, it's, it is a great industry and there is a lot of opportunity. But I would say for, for people, you know, thinking about trying to get into financial services, Make sure you've got a good support network around you. So find people that have the jobs that you want. Approach them on LinkedIn. You'd be amazed at how many people give their time for free just to kind of you know give you a bit of career advice and guidance. Um, and I would also look for um, to 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 start off working in companies that have established trade trading schemes um, that you know have established routes to success for for black people or you know for, for for younger people, whoever you are, but you know that there is an actual pathway in there that you don't get stuck because they haven't perhaps thought about some of the challenges that more, more diverse employees might might face or what success looks like for, for more diverse employees. So that's kind of tip number two. And, and the third thing really is, um, you know, just trying to um, develop your soft skills and, uh, you know, developing your personal effectiveness. I would say that was my biggest challenge in my 20s. I didn't quite have that nailed down. Um, so yeah, I mean, finance is great, but I just, um, think that, you know, try, try and be as proactive as you can in driving your own opportunity forward as well. Yeah. You should, may I suggest you should have got into real estate. <laughs> well, but not even that, but you would have made more money, I guess. I don't, I, I feel like real estate is where the money is. I, I don't know. Although finance is, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't know, I mean, what, 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 to, what makes money anymore? What's a growth industry tech, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's people, true, yeah. people always try and project that they have more than, than they actually have in real terms. And I yeah. think people actually peel back the layers, you know, their life isn't quite as flash and lavish as they're <laughs> making out on the ground. So. <laughs> <laughs> but what about cryptocurrency? I don't understand it, so I wouldn't touch it. So that's oh, just no, very no. simple for me. <laughs> you know, there's two mistakes to that. First of all, I don't have my top on. You know, I want to change. But um, second thing is crypto, I think, I feel is the way forward, really. And um, like I started crypto about three years ago. I'm not, I'm not a billionaire or anything or a millionaire, but I put just a little bit in what I could afford to lose. And I saw it blow up like pretty good over the last couple yeah. of weeks, months. And I was like, whoa. I should have put more in. That's the only thing I regret now is not putting. I think equally, you know, the the downside of that is if it was just kind of experimental, did you put in as much as you could afford to lose at the time? You don't want to start putting your life savings into something that you're not 100% sure of the outcome of. I'm quite risk averse. So (laughs) it's not for me, crypto. And I don't don't fully understand it, I've got to say. You know, I'm in in debt. That's good and solid. I understand that. There are rules. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that is good. Yeah, well, may I suggest as someone who's into finance that you actually start getting familiar with cryptocurrency because I feel like that's probably where society's heading. Yes. Just, yes. And uh, yes. by the way, by the way, because I gave you that tip and I always tell my guests they're gonna give you twenty percent cut. And because you've got forty two million to play, no, forty two billion or forty two million. I'll take I'll take twenty percent. They're going to a trust fund, the Black Uplips Trust Fund. Yeah. To help us grow faster, you know, and get you out, of course, out there. 
<laughs> so was it like an easy decision as a woman to like choose finance because finance is a male dominant world I, I believe maybe yeah, not so much now but back in the day yeah, you know? yeah absolutely it absolutely is and, and finance is, is a little bit behind the curve I think in, yeah. in terms of diversity inclusion when I first thought about going to finance I have to admit the idea that it that it might be difficult more difficult for me being a black woman didn't even enter my mind and I think to be honest whilst um you know superficially on the surface things are better you know there's more legislation there are more schemes to boost for example black grads you know I think Accenture has a a, a black talent program I think HSBC might have one. So but there are more things coming into the fore. Fundamentally, I think the same challenges remain, but I think it's down to the individual. You, you can buy into the whole idea that, you know, this is going to be so hard for me and, you know, I'm really going to be up against it. Or you can accept it and challenge it, you know, move forward, drive your own opportunity. And that looks like holding people accountable for your training, you know, making sure that you don't just sit there and wait for things to plop into your lap because that's never going to happen. So really kind of driving that opportunity forward. You know, people, people are willing to invest time normally. They will do things for free if they can see that you're hungry for it. Um, it, it looks like as well building a network that can help and support you um, and, and probably just shouting loudly about your, your abilities and what you want to do. Um, and, you know, sorry, that advice has got nothing to do with gender, race um, no. or anything. It's just about how to seize, seize an opportunity, really. And I think, you know, don't, don't try and sort of overlabor yourself with the idea that it's going to be such a struggle. It's going to be so hard you know what if you want to do it you can do it and it's all about mindset yeah you know um I, i'm planning to have around 100 million <laughs> in two years <laughs> oh man you think it's possible i think i think it is possible i think that if you if you've got a plan i think if you're if you're dedicated you know what you're doing you're going above and beyond you're using your network you know why why shouldn't you be able to do that why shouldn't you that's true. That's what I think, you know, because I picture my future being on a, on a, like a, the beach somewhere, you know. <laughs> you and me not, both. Not, not spending, yeah, yeah, not spending none of the 100 million, you know, because I won't need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Just sitting not, there watching it grow in your bank yeah, account. <laughs> exactly. Or in cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> or losing, of course. It's highly volatile market. Okay, so look, let's do a little um, scenario, obviously, because let's say I got, I got an idea. A great yeah. idea. It's yeah. uh, I don't know, let's say it's a podcasting idea, and um, yeah. it, let's say we call it Black Opalypse. <laughs> now, okay. now I'm, I'm like, okay, I got a podcast idea, I want to do like the stuff that I want to do with Black Opalypse, for example, documentaries, yeah. you know, yeah. and stuff like this. I need some money, yeah. Where where do I start? What's the very yeah. first apart from okay, the idea is there, so that's yeah, the first, yeah, yeah, no, yep. that's fine. I want to so, think. I think I think a lot of people kind of rush the, the funding thing. Okay, so you've got an idea, you want money, great, but are you actually ready? So, so the first thing that I would say to, to somebody in that position is to make sure they get investment ready. So that means that you're taking ownership for what you need and your, your funding requirements. So the amount of money that you need and um, being able to clearly articulate the purpose of the fund. So breaking it down on each item that you want to spend that, that funding on 
Um, so item by item, year by year, make it super clear. So you know exactly what that money is going to be used for. And also being able to understand and articulate the impact that those funds will, will have on the business. Um, so that's kind of you know the initial stage of getting that funding plan together before you even think about approaching investors. Um, so get that together. The next thing is, is to challenge that plan. So, um, you know, thinking through the, the decisions that you've made and making sure that, A, is it enough? You know, have you requested enough money to be able to meet your short, medium and long-term goals? You know, there's, there's no, um, there's nothing to be afraid in asking for a large amount of money if that's what the business needs and you can demonstrate a need for it. It looks um, less credible to, to ask for less if the business is going to run out in 12 months time, because it looks like you haven't thought through your decisions properly. So making a plan, challenging it. The, second, the third thing is uh, information. So when you first do a funding application, you know, funders were going to ask for financial information. Now, the, the depth and scale of it varies depending on the type of product that you're trying to go for and the amount. Um, so checking what's required. So is it just a cash flow forecast or do you need a balance sheet? Do you need a P&L? And seeing if you've got the competence within yourself or the business to be able to prepare those to a, to a, to a professional standard. So um, making sure that you're presenting yourself to market in, in a quality way that makes you look credible, you know, that um, you've got a good business plan that really kind of nails what it is that you're about and, and what the, the funding opportunity is um, and making sure that you've got robust models, assumptions, all that, all that good stuff. So that's the kind of initial piece that you need to, to get ready. Um, the next thing I would be would do would be to make sure that you're engaging with funders. So you, you think you've got your information, you think you're ready. Well, go and start having some conversations with people then that are able to um, make this happen for you. So understanding what, what it is that they need, um, you know, kind of asking what the process is, how long it takes, you know, making sure that, that you're getting out there to, to market and, you know, you're, um, you know, putting, putting noise there that, hey, I, I want funding, I, I want money. Um, the the other sort of thing to do would maybe be to think about taking some professional advice from people who understand going to market. So if you, if this is your first time, you don't know really what what to do. You know, would it be perhaps a good idea to consult an accountant, a corporate financier? You know, um, or maybe even just somebody in your network or asking people in your network for somebody else who has gone through the funding process before. The main thing with all of this is just to try and latch on to as much support as you can to so, so you learn from other people that have made the mistakes so you don't have to, you know, so take the frustration out of it for yourself. Um, and then I think the next thing would be to understand exactly how your business plan is assessed. So when I get something in uh, my inbox, I'm, I'm looking for four key pillars. The first one is vision. So what is it that that um, business is trying to achieve? The second one is a, a plan. So have they actually got a, a, a clear plan? That's, you know, so it's lovely to have all these ideas, but how are you going to do it? What are the actions? What, how are they going to be delivered? Um, so making sure that's super clear. Looking at the competence in the business. So you know, who have we got that can deliver this plan? And if there are any skill gaps, which is fine because you know there's rarely a perfect business that, that I see. Making sure that you know the business is taking steps to correct, challenge um, any kind of weaknesses, any skill gaps that, that they see. Um, you know, being upfront about that. Um, and then the fourth thing is just how does the business measure 
progress? You know, what kind of systems and processes and controls have they got in place? Um, because, you know, you see a lot of founders that are kind of wonderful dreamers and actually, you know, they need to be held accountable to what, what it is that they, they're actually saying they're going to do. So, you know, that's always something that I have a look at. Like, who have you got that's going to keep you accountable and driving this business forward before you get too distracted with this another marvellous idea? So there's that. So, um, yeah, so I think that, that kind of covers the investment readiness piece. Shall I talk about what happens when you actually approach a funder? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not boring you with this. Actually, no, before you carry on, before you carry on, you said something about an imperfect business. Not, not <laughs> all businesses are not imperfect. So what? Uh, 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 like, absolutely. There's, there's no such thing as, as, a, as a perfect business. You know, there's always going to be something in it that, you know, could be improved, could be better done. And, you know, to have that mindset as well, that mindset of continuous learning, continuous improvement, that's important. You know, to sit and rest in your laurels means that a competitor is going to come and overtake you. So mm. um, I think, yeah, but but the main thing is I was trying to kind of instill a bit of confidence into people that, you know, even if you think your business isn't in great shape, the important thing is, is that you're getting yourself out there and identifying those those weaknesses and and sort of putting some plans in place so that that funder can see hey they've thought about that I like that you know I trust that they're going to be able to deliver this as they suggested in the plan yeah that's great because when you said imperfect <laughs> business I was thinking about Tesla I don't know why Tesla came to mind and I was thinking this guy started off with PayPal mm. moved across a little bit more started making cars now he's sending rockets to the moon or Mars or wherever and then you said something about accountable. I wonder who holds this guy accountable for anything. Dude, you're doing too much. Perfect your car first. Then, <laughs> then go to space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, isn't his mum quite close to him? I've seen, uh, she, she looks like a, what do they call him, a tiger mum. And then he's uh, there kind of pushing their offspring. Yeah. Anyway, we, we digress. So if we're, yep. so we've talked about investment readiness. So then what to expect when you actually approach a funder? So I'll probably be talking about this more from my FSC perspective. Um, that's, that's where I work. So, you know, I get an email in, somebody says to me, hey, Harriet, thinking about this. So first things first, let's get them on a scoping call. Let's kind of have a bit of a chat, talk to them about, um, you know, what we do and then open the floor up to them, you know, tell us about the business. I mean, you know, you've got to expect that um, funders will have already done a bit of homework and will probably have a, have a look at Companies House, they'll, they'll have looked on the internet, you know, so they will know a little bit about what, what's going on, but it's your opportunity to put your own spin on that. And and as, as much as, you know, you're investing in the business, you're investing in the person as well. So, you know, it's um, a chance to kind of showcase yourself. Um <laughs> And then from that point on, you know, so what, what I'm looking for at that, that, in that call is somebody that knows how much money they want, that knows why they want it, you know, how it's going to be spent. So all that investment readiness piece that, that I talked about um, and somebody that's kind of serious and committed. We'll, we'll talk about the kind of information that we want to see, which is normally for us FSE. It's three um, years previous accounts and then their financial forecast and model um, so that's an integrated cash flow balance sheet and PL. Um, not everybody has those, and not everybody sends them back in a particularly fantastic um, uh, pre- presentation, I would say. <laughs> so I would heartily recommend if you're not sure if you if you can do it, or you know, you're just you're just feeling a bit apprehensive about putting some of these things together, go and get some advice. 
go to the growth hub if you're perhaps a smaller trader or go and get an accountant if you're you know a, a, a more medium-sized business and uh you know get get serious about it and get professional because you know you've got it's it's about first impressions isn't it if you're if you're handing over a load of information it's all wonky and the sale references are wrong and you know what what does that say about how seriously you're, you're taking this so yeah. that's the first thing um the next thing is when I get the information in, I'll be looking to see does the story that this um, normally very enthusiastic entrepreneur has told me, does that match what I'm actually seeing in the business plan and seeing in the financials? And are there any discrepancies? And, you know, kind of that, that process, kind of talking through the numbers, talking through the story, that, that takes the, the bulk of the time, really, and kind of just working out, um, you know, what, what's going on with the business um and then I know I was just thinking that that doesn't sound very good what's going on with this? um and then yeah I think also as well just making sure that that when you're approaching a funder that you're looking at their criteria and different funders have different criteria so if you're going for a social investment for example they might want to see what kind of social impact you're delivering but us we are probably going to be more interested in looking at the sales traction. So just getting a good idea of what you need to reflect in the information that, that you provide. Now, I do have some bits and pieces that I can talk about when it comes to, um, you know, debt funding, what we are specifically looking for. But I don't know if that might be too technical. I could just give a little overview. Yeah, just sh- shoot and we'll see what we understand. You know, any messages I'll let you know, guys don't understand it. (laughs) All right. So um, if you're looking for for debt fundings, that's a loan. Um, We'll be looking to see, you know, what what the serviceability is like of that debt. So that basically means the amount of cash that's required to recover the repayment of of interest um, and the particular debt for for a period. You know, what... what, Sorry, um, my... and um, can that business generate consistent and reliable profit? So there are three real steps that you can take to try and demonstrate serviceability. The first one is understanding your income stream and future proofing that and being able to provide granular detail around your revenue streams. Um, the second one is um, building a kind of cash buffer and being able to demonstrate adequate working capital management. And the third one is, is um, managing your existing liabilities well. So um, you know, it's all about how you're managing that cash in and out of the business. But, you know, all of that kind of good detail and discussion will come out once you've submitted your financials and you're kind of really getting into it with, with, the, with the funder. So, um, yeah, that's a, a, a bit of a kind of walkthrough of what to expect and how to get prepared. <laughs> I think I'm going to say the same to you what I said to one of my previous guests. Sorry, I asked, man. You could have just said <laughs> <laughs> said, just just send a letter to us and we'll see if you pass. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, 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 there's, a lot, there's a lot to think about, but the, the easiest way to, to start it would be get involved with some business support services, go to your growth hub and just keep talking to your peers and try and learn mm-hmm. from their experiences because it sounds so much more difficult than it is. It's, yeah. it's really just, um, you know, a business presentation you know and, and it's just about relaying what it is that your business does that's so fantastic to somebody else so they can understand it that's the, yeah. the crux of it yeah or get somebody to write it for you that's probably uh, absolutely absolutely like you yourself um, <laughs> you've just employed yourself to black up lips 
I look forward Monday morning. I want a fully written business plan on my desk. <laughs> no, um, okay. So, what are the payment? Do I have to pay someone like you to do all this stuff? Because it is a lot of work. Mm. So, um, for for me specifically, so when we um. When we provide our funding, there'll be an arrangement fee. So for FSC Group, it's fixed at two and a half percent of the total facilities, i.e. total loan value. Um, it varies from funder to funder. So, you know, there'll be arrangement fees. They might charge ongoing monitoring fees, so, i.e., you know, for each year that you have that balance outstanding, there's, there's a fee attached because, you know, there's portfolio management costs. They'll explain why it is they, they charge it. But um, so that, that's the cost of taking out funding for actual business support and getting someone to, to help you. I mean, the growth hub is free. So I would always recommend going there first. Um, there's tons of free business support. So people like Enterprise Nation, Hatch, uh, I think it's Hatch Business, Enterprise for Success, Enterprise Orchard, all of these amazing free services where you can go and, you know, get get the support. Where you'll have to pay is if you want to take specialist financial advice. So if you want to engage an accountant or a corporate financier. But, you know, you'd be surprised what, what kind of people will, will do to help you for, for free. So it's always worth having a conversation, connecting with someone on LinkedIn, saying, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Could you spare me an hour of your time to help me? And, and follow up with what you can do for them. You know, don't, don't just come to someone with your hand out saying, OK, I, I've seen that you can do this. Maybe I can support you with this. That's the easiest way to kind of entice someone to, to helping you um, into doing things. That's awesome. That's awesome. So going back to obviously um, our people, you know, I call us African-Americans because everyone knows us as African-Americans, so I might as well. Is it harder for us to get funding? Or is it, I mean, because like if I walk in, okay, I can't, I'm not going to walk in like this, I'm going to wear a suit. But most of our people don't really, you know, they don't lean towards that kind of style. Yeah. So if I, do, I need, do I need to look a particular way or would it look at me or would it, would it like prejudgments? I think that there's, there's, a, there's a lot to do with kind of confidence, really, particularly amongst black entrepreneurs in terms of reaching for opportunities. I wholeheartedly believe that, that there's no kind of barriers to opportunity to, to black entrepreneurs going and applying for these um, these funding packages to, you know, whatever. You know, the, the barriers aren't there in, in the application. I think most of the barriers come from lack of awareness as to what's out there in, in the community. Um, I think a lack of confidence in, in um, being able to go and apply for those, you know, oh, I'm not going to get it all, you know, I'm not going to measure up, that kind of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, and I think also that kind of lower aspirations, you know, you, you, I think black entrepreneurs need to increase their capacity to do more. So, you know, reach for those bigger goals, surround yourselves with people, not just in your own known network, people, you know, that you haven't perhaps met that are doing well, that are doing things that you want to do, you know, latch on to them. So I, I do genuinely believe that there's, um, that there is no sort of problem in, in terms of when you go to access those, those services. I think most of the problems start with not knowing how or, or, or not having the confidence yeah, so it's like inside, really. Like, I remember when I was young, all I wanted to ever be when I was young was a bus driver. And I cannot believe that that's all I wanted to do. I was like, and I have friends who wanted to be rocket scientists and, you know, big jobs. And I was like, I want to be a bus driver. 
And I couldn't understand. I only realized that when I got older, when I was like, hold on a minute. That was the height of my aspirations is to get a driving license, which everybody gets, and drive a yeah. bus yeah. for yeah, yeah, yeah. minimum wage. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important to connect um, with other black entrepreneurs and open to other black networks. So mm. things like the Black Pound Project, which is a um, Midlands-based uh, community interest company to help black entrepreneurs, well, not black entrepreneurs, diverse entrepreneurs, um, small business owners, help them get plugged into that business ecosystem. So use those black business networks. Um, Places like Be Global as well. They they, um, specialise in in offering black entrepreneurship support. So, you know, elevate yourself. um, Make sure that you're putting in the work, that you're, you know, driving forward your opportunity and you're taking ownership of it as well. Mm. But, you know, it comes to the the other sort of flip side is if you can't see anyone that's doing that, which I think is kind of what... What, what, I, what I alluded to when I first started in banking, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, because I, I didn't I didn't know anyone who'd been in banking, but I knew I wanted to do it. But, yeah. you know, finding those role models, and, you know, they are slowly becoming more visible and you will have greater access via kind of joining in with these black business networks and, and whatnot. But seek, seek them out for yourself, you know, get on LinkedIn, go to some networking events, you know, see who you can meet, keep pushing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh no, I wanted to say something. Oh, you actually answered it. I was going to say, do you think the lack of um, like black faces, for example, when you're going to the financial world, yeah, that probably really goes against us actually deciding that we're going to try and be a banker or a lawyer or a doctor. It doesn't have to just be, you know, totally towards finance. It could be anything else, police officers. Yeah, you just don't see them. So you think, okay, I don't have a chance anyway. So why should I do that? You know? I know I agree, but I think I think that the you know things are things are starting to improve, and I think that slowly you know that people are starting to cotton on that there is a need for more black role models outside of sport, outside yeah. of music. Yeah, yeah. And you know, slowly we're starting to see some more emerging talent. But um, you know, maybe maybe the fact there aren't so many role models to, to people that are listening, maybe that could be you. Put yourself forward. You know, make yeah. some noise, encourage other people bring other people up with you and yeah. collaborate that's that's what i try and do when i see like i remember when i was last last time i was in um are you from birmingham uh, yeah yeah when i was in birmingham last time i was in a I was, I was in sutton coldfield i think and i saw a group of black lads and i went up to them and i said yo guys so you at university university was like yeah, yeah we're at university i was like so what's your plans what you're doing they're like we don't know i was like how do you not know you know and, and that was like when i was young and i remember being that age and i didn't really know what i wanted to do but I was like, I can't believe that there's nobody behind these guys telling them, look, you want to make money or you want to mm-hmm. do something that's going to bring you a decent mm-hmm. life. You should yeah. probably already looking in that direction. Yeah, I want to be a yeah. lawyer. I want to be a, you know, a scientist or professor or something like this. That, you know, I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of our youth are just kind of lost because we have, mm-hmm. like, like we said, mm-hmm. no um, role models to look up to. So, yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. But I think um, it's also kind of that expectation of opportunity. What is it that you deserve and elevating that bar for, mm. for young people, you know? So it's not just you go to uni and then what? It's about making sure that those pathways to success are in place and that they 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 know what they're capable of, you know, yeah. and inspiring, you know, inspiring a bit of ambition beyond just ticking a box and completing education and then just finding a job. Yeah. So 
Um, but you know, in terms of how to do that, it's it's just about using your, your networks and getting engaged and doing your own research about things that interest you, things that you might want to do, and reaching out to people. I mean, I think that that's that's what I've had to do. And it and you know, people respond and it's it's a multiplier effect, you know, like you start doing some good over here and people, you know, people respond and you know, it grows. I'm just, I want to quickly have a look at this growth hub because I've never heard of it before. Right. So the growth hubs, they're um, done by kind of local areas. So the one in Birmingham is called the Greater Birmingham and Sony Hole Local Enterprise Partnership Growth Hub. Where um, is that? Where is that the name of it? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You make it easy. Why don't you? <laughs> but at, at the growth hubs, so they have so many free events. So things like how to boost your marketing, things like import strategies, absolutely loads. Um, and then you can also call them up and book an appointment with the business advisors. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Um, and you know they'll be able to to talk you through um what's you know what you're how to solve your business dilemma signpost you on the one thing I would say with them they are typically geared up for businesses that are six months or older so six six months I don't think necessarily trading but six months of incorporation but just be super clear with them what it is you want and you know I, I would like a solution to this and and um you know, just drive that opportunity yourself with with them, and you know, just be 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 clear and direct. Mm. I'm just trying to fit, like, so so you need basically a business plan. Yeah, I need to go to them with a business plan. Yeah, and they should be able to help you. They should be able to book you in with a business advisor who will be able to schedule time for you to go through your business plan and they should be able to help you get that to a standard that will be investment ready. That That is one of the core things that they should do. So what are the repayment options? So for example, I get a hundred grand from them. So they, point, they, don't, they don't provide funding. They just provide business support. Okay. So when I get funding, for example? So funding, right. So um, I think they'll be able to signpost you on to funding. Mm. um there is also a government website which i can share with you which gives you a list of loads of business funders um you know people like me i tend to know who who's offering funding you know mm-hmm. connecting with people in the funding space so that's how you go about finding funding so growth hub um making sure that you're looking at the the government portal making sure that you're connecting with people in the funding space so in, in terms of repayment, it, it all depends on who it is you, you go to. So they'll tell you what their maximum term is. So i.e. how long that loan can, can take, can, how, how, long, how long you can pay that, back, that loan back for. I can't use my words for some reason. Um, some, some funders may offer capital repayment holidays. For example, we offer up to six months. So that means where you um, will have... A, a break on, on paying back the capital part of, of the loan so you're just paying interest which you know, helps you um really bed in the, the funds without having to have initial lots such large payments you can really de- demonstrate some traction um what else can i tell you about repayments um i think that's probably it so interest rates you know they they vary from from lender to lender i mean the banks are always going to be the 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 cheapest because you know they're the banks but they want a certain profile of business 
probably someone that's more established, someone that um, has a you know a good a good track record. You move across to us. We're a market gap funder, so you know we'll look at businesses um, that perhaps the banks wouldn't. They're a little bit more risky, but that means our interest rates are higher. And you kind of go creeping along the the ladder until you get kind of credit cards at like twenty eight percent or something. So oh. I know. <laughs> um, but that's that's just funding um so debt funding there is of course equity where you're giving up share of your business and there won't be necessarily um anything to to pay apart from arrangement and monitoring fees but the, the cost is is that you're giving up a bit of control of your business mm. and that um equity provider will have a say in the business operation so, so do you think that's, that's a good idea though if you give up a little bit of control to them because then you're like see it's your fault you didn't make it <laughs> I think I think it all depends, you know, what what stage your business is at, um, what your other funding options are, and and how much you're prepared to give away for your business for for the amount of money they're going to to give you. You know, if it's if it's what you feel comfortable with, why wouldn't you do that? But it's it's up to you to have. It all goes back to that first stage of getting your investment ready, um, defining your funding plan, what it is you want, what you want to do with it, what your options are. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just to... yeah, but you got to blame someone, you know. If you don't, if your business don't make it, it wasn't my fault, it was working before you got here. Well, you know, the one thing I would say is, you know, if you're in a business, always get a good support network around you. So that mm. might be a mentor, you know, so have someone to keep you accountable, someone to uh, keep checking in with, not yeah. necessarily someone that you can pass the blame to, but somebody who might be able to spot some of the mistakes you're making before they blow up and you know things go seriously south or perhaps think about um taking some non-executive directors on on the board you know seasoned business owners who can give you that professional steer and advice perhaps in exchange for a nominal fee okay great great (laughs) (laughs) let me see um do you have any more questions do you have anything you want to add on to it actually i'll let you have a bit of the floor and if you think it's key information for us to know, like for us people who are trying to. Key information. I'm sure I've, I've, got, I've got something. So the one thing I would say to, to, to folks listening, um, you know, in terms of just some, some tips for right now, if you're an entrepreneur, one, find a mentor, you know, find someone to, to keep you accountable, someone to check in with, someone that's got more experience than you have, or perhaps has a, a skill that you don't have to, you know, help boost your business and, and spot problems that you might not or always have spotted. Number two is to set goals um, and, you know, keep, keep yourself, I keep using this phrase, keep yourself accountable, take ownership. But it's so important that you take it seriously and you don't just let things slide or you just think, oh, I'm going to do this next week or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Set goals, set, make sure they're timed and, you know, keep checking in with yourself, keep checking with your business because that's how you drive forward progress, right? You, um, mm-hmm. you, you, oh, again, you keep yourself accountable. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the third thing is, is to, to research your industry um, <clears throat> and make sure you're aware of what's going on, on in on in going on in the market and you know what your peers are doing what the developments are don't just sort of sit in your own little bubble a, a little silo not aware of what's going on around you you know mm-hmm. make sure that you're engaged with the business community and you know what's going on in, in the market as a whole um and probably my, my fourth tip is just you know really and um, brush up on what it means to to be professional and to be credible so 
Um, that's things like just de- developing your, your your soft skills when you're speaking to people, the tone that you use in emails, yep. turning up on time to, to meetings. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to wear a, a suit and tie these days, but, you know, taking care in your, your appearance, that, that sort of stuff, it all builds to a bigger picture. So those are my some little takeaways, I suppose. Actually, I want to give you a compliment. You've got, um, you're very well spoken, uh, which, which is, which is uh, not really important. I just finished a course about uh, social linguistics hmm. and, and um, they were talking about obviously having received English which you speak and uh, almost without an accent so it was actually hard to tell that you're from Birmingham but I just assumed <laughs> there you go. Actually, no, actually I had a tip off because um, I interviewed Armand the Black Pound God, I forgot his CJ. name uh, yeah yeah, yeah exactly CJ Webb yeah and uh, yeah, I told him I was happy to get you on yeah um See, that, that's one of the, this big issue, you know, when you don't speak, like a lot of people from the inner city of Birmingham, they've got kind of like, you know, this hybrid Jamaican style, British English, <laughs> in a nice way of putting it, you know, or, or the yam yams, you know, mm-hmm. all these guys too. Or um, like these guys, when they're going to interview, people are automatically going to judge them and be like, I ain't giving him nothing because he can't even speak well. Mm-hmm. How how dare somebody else make you feel like that about how you speak? You know, yeah. if, if that's if that's what they're on, that isn't what you want to be around. So yeah. you know, but I think it's all about kind of confidence and, and self belief, and that doesn't come from um you know how you how you speak or you know how you sound. That comes from you being able to deliver what you have said that you are going to do. That yeah. that is the the fundamental bit of it for me. But um you know there's this. These days, I think that, you know, the, the, there are so many more opportunities opening up and people want to hear from, from people in all different areas of, of life, you know, all different classes, all different statuses. And, you know, I think if, if somebody gets hung up over an accent or how someone kind of talks now, <laughs> it kind of says a bit more about their, like, backwards <laughs> mindset, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Um, one more question, actually. Yeah, go on. How do you get... The youth of today to be accountable because I think that's something that's left society. That's left society. I think our generation, I think we're around the same age group, but like it's left since us. So how do you get them today to be like? I think I think it's about um, kind of setting yourself up with a peer network of, of people that are doing the sorts of things that you in yourself believe that you want to do. You know, look at look at who's around you because that kind of reflects who you are. Um, so, you know, seeing who you're hanging around with um, making sure that, you know, these are these go getters are these people that, you know, I, I want to be like that. I'm proud to be associated with. So that that's the first step in accountability for me. The second one is kind of sitting down and doing a bit of work with yourself and putting um, a bit of a, a plan in place as to what it is that you want to do and thinking about how you were going to get there and kind of thinking of some timed sort of measures, actions about how how you're going to do this. And if you don't know, reach out to people like the Prince's Trust, which specialise in providing um, entrepreneurship and, and work um, work help, for want of a better word, to uh, people aged between 16 and 30. If you want an introduction to them, hit me up. I'm on LinkedIn, on my, on my Instagram as well. Um, you know, so checking in with, with people that can help you um, to help help you kind of drive forward. And um, I think the other part of being accountable is, is not to push yourself so hard and, and 
and to allow yourself time to, to learn and make, make mistakes and learn from yeah. them. Yeah, that's one of the things I realised a lot of people, they're scared to make mistakes. I noticed that with my daughter already. She's only seven and she's so afraid of making a mistake. I'm like, it's okay to be wrong. Yeah, think- yeah absolutely. When I was young, I probably was the same. Actually, I never, I never wanted to be wrong. So I was like, I'd rather not say anything. You know, I think mm. a lot of people have that. Unless he was like one of these smart kids. That, that is it. I mean, honestly, self-limiting thoughts and self-limiting beliefs. You know, you've told yourself no before you've even tried. And, yeah. and you're shooting yourself in the foot with that. You, you've got to, um, you know, go out there. And it doesn't matter if you get it wrong. The only thing that matters is that you tried. And the more you do things that you think, oh, I don't feel comfortable with this, the more you keep trying to do that, trust me, the easier it gets. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, don't don't let your own self-limiting beliefs, don't let, you know, some negative person in your life has told you some rubbish, don't yeah. let them hold you back. Actually, saying that, that starts in school already, actually, what I realised. you got yeah. negative teachers and they tell yeah. you you're not going to do it, you're not going to make yeah. it. And especially if you was like us, you know, yeah. They already looked at us and said, all right, in the yeah. corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happened yeah. to me several times. I, until yeah. I was like, until, actually, I moved away from Birmingham. I went to rugby. And that mm. was the first time where I felt all right. Mm. Because they didn't have as much experience with people like us, you know. Mm. So I guess they were kind of like, okay, give me a chance. But eventually, I just got put into the corner anyway. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> you're here now you're putting yourself out there you're you're delivering an impactful message to people so yeah. you know you, you've shaped your own destiny and you haven't let whatever those idiots have said to you dominate and control your life yeah oh actually uh, what about musicians who come to you who need it like they're, they're coming i need i need to make an album man <laughs> creative entrepreneurs i wouldn't say that it is um my i haven't really come across any to be honest but you know what, if, if there's someone, you know, creative entrepreneur, do, you know, drop me a message. I'll do my best to, to help and, and find uh, uh, support for you. They'd probably be better going after the grant route. So mm-hmm. things like the Arts Council, who have programmes especially for creative entrepreneurs, that's probably going to be the most appropriate, or looking at some social funding. Um, can I, yeah, so if, if, you, if you want to have a look at any of this, my, my business Instagram is... Oh, yeah. Harriet for Business Growth and, and on there I've got lists of uh, social funders I've got lists of who can fund your kind of regular uh, wait what's a regular business but who can fund businesses um, so there's, there's a couple of lists on there but yeah Creative Entrepreneurs Arts Council Growth Hub Nottingham Trent University Entrepreneurship Hub is amazing for helping people find funding all different types of funding for all different types of businesses um, so that's what I'd recommend for those people. I was just about to give you the floor as well to give all your handles, but you already yeah, did. Yeah, handles, the- yeah. So I'll, I'll say it again. It's Harriet for Business Growth. That's my Instagram. On LinkedIn, you can find me as Harriet Saunders. Those are the main two that I post on actively. Um, or drop me an email, which is harriet.saunders at the fsegroup.com. So get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in touch. I think I'm going to have to write you, actually. I need some... I need some help. <laughs> but actually, I need help for marketing, though. That's the worst thing. It's like, okay, marketing, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Am I on my own? <laughs> well, um, I, I think that it's not my speciality, but I think probably the Growth Hub will be able to help you. All right, I'm um, going to go. And, I, know, I keep banging on about them, but they are good, honestly, especially the, the Birmingham one. They've got so much available. 
or looking at something like Enterprise Nation, um, the uh, FSB is also another good one to reach out to. The main thing is, is once you dip your toe in the pond of business support, you kind of, you know, people signpost you on to eventually get where you, you need to go. It might yeah. take a couple of interactions, but most people want to help. So um, that's where I'd start. Okay, and last thing I'm going to say today, I actually tried for the Prince's Trust back in the day and then they refused my application. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, if... if uh, in fact, if, if someone is interested in getting in touch with the Prince's Trust, I do. I know the, the contacts there directly in the in the West Midlands. So you know, let's oh. uh, let's. Well, yeah, and also I'd be interested to know if if your application doesn't look right, then what steps can can we help the individual take so it does look right? You know, I don't believe in no. Yeah, yeah. Wait, do you have contacts in the Arts Council too? The Arts Council. I, I don't, but I'm sure I could find someone. I'm sure right. I'm very persistent. All right, Harriet Saunders, I'm not going to keep you any longer, but I'm going to ask you to come back on the show in the near future because I think I'm going to have to listen to your knowledge and then try and process it. And I'm going to come back with some more questions. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks for joining us. And stay in touch, okay? Bye. I will do. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye.